Hey dads, before we jump into today's episode, I want to let you know about a great resource we have for you called the Dad-Son Challenge, 10 manly activities that dads and sons can do together. These are fun activities that you and your son can do to help both of you get better at being men that are based around the five marks of manhood that we talk about in each episode of Manly Tales. So go to manhoodtribes.com challenge where you can download your free dad-son challenge today. That's manhoodtribes.com slash challenge. Welcome to Manly Tales, stories for making men out of boys, a podcast for dads and sons to listen to together. I'm Don Ross, the host of Manly Tales, and each episode you'll hear my sons and me talk about the stories that are inspiring and teaching us about what it means to be a man. We're excited to have you listen in with us. This episode wraps up season two of Manly Tales, where we've been talking about the Knights of the Round Table. Today's episode is all about the quest for the Holy Grail. Let's listen together. Since receiving the holy vision of the age to come, Arthur and his knights had spent decades poring over various quests and clues in their search for the Holy Grail. They seemed to have the final pieces they needed to complete the quest. While most of Arthur's army stayed to defend Camelot from the treacherous onslaught of Mordred's warriors, four of Arthur's knights were chosen as the team that would take the last leg of the journey to the Grail. Sir Lancelot was chosen as a veteran warrior and knight whose wit and skill was unmatched. Sir Galahad, Lancelot's son, was the chosen knight who had initially received the Grail vision, and amongst the knights of Camelot was known as having the purest heart. Sir Bors had received a personal vision of he, Galahad, and Percival kneeling before a shining figure, holding a cup glowing as brilliantly as the sun. He too was known as being a knight who above all else held true to his values and his word. Finally, Sir Percival had received the final piece of the puzzle. In his quest for the grail, had an interaction with a fabled fisher king, lord of the ethereal kingdom, who told Percival of the significance of the grail and where it could be located. On the island of Avalon. So that is where the four turned their eyes. In their consultation with Merlin, he shared that it may not even be on the material plane of existence, but exists outside of time and space. He advised that only the lost find it. And so... They set sail into the mists to become lost, that maybe they would find this island. While along their voyage, they entertained each other with tales of their exploits. Sir Lancelot expressed that of all the quests he had engaged in, this quest for the grail is the most glorious. He waxed poetic about how trusting in his own wit to be as sharp as his sword won him a great deal of glory throughout his time as a knight under Arthur. I, a man, is only as successful as what he puts his trust in, and I have honed my skill to never fail. Bors, who was keeping watch, "'Spotted an unknown shore. "'Oi, there's landmen. "'Let us dock to the shore and explore.' "'Upon docking on shore, "'the four knights stepped out of the boat. "'There was a gust of wind "'that blew a swirl of leaves through the air. "'As the leaves cleared, "'there stood the wise old Merlin, "'holding a shining silvery spear, "'the tip dripping with blood. "'Welcome to Avalon. "'The lost is now found.' "'Merlin!' Percival exclaimed. "'How did you make it here?' "'We are truly upon the mythic Isle of Avalon.' "'Indeed you are, young Percival,' Merlin responded. "'This is where I am originally from. "'Here.' "'Merlin handed the silver spear to Galahad. "'You must take this to the castle of the maimed king. "'And beware, while the inner island is a place of safety, "'this beach can be teeming with vile foes.' "'Lancelot, hearing this, interjected, "'Any foes we face, I'll vanquish.' "'My dear Lancelot, you truly have learned to trust your skill, sword, and wit.' "'and they have served you well up to this point. "'Here, though, my boy, "'you must learn to trust in God to survive, not your armor. "'Will you join us, wise Merlin?' Galahad asked. "'I am afraid I can go no further. "'This is where I must leave you.' 
Heed my words, my dearest friends. To survive here, learn to trust God more than your blades. And with that, Merlin's form transformed into mist and dissipated into the heavens. The four knights stood in silence when out of the quiet broke a shrill screech. And like a descending black smoke cloud, a woman with dark curled hair and gnarled form appeared. It was Morgan Le Fay, a witch some of the knights had encountered in previous journeys. They knew she was a wily and vicious hag. She stood between them and going deeper into the island. You are not men of honor. You are unworthy. Boars, you coward. You ran from your brother when he needed you the most. You left him for dead. And they call you a man of honor. Ha! Percival, you ignorant fool, always asking questions, for you know nothing. In your effort to protect your image, you failed your quest. Galahad, you are only here because you sat in a magic chair. You didn't even win the contest to get that privilege. You are second rate, less than, and you always will be. And you, Lancelot. Her tone turned quiet and venomous. You are the worst of them. You have harbored a secret love for your king's wife these many years, have you not? Lancelot looked stunned at her honest accusation. How could she know? You are no man of honor. To your king's face, you spoke of winning him and the kingdom glory, but you only want to win honor for yourself. You seek nothing but for your name to be remembered. How dare each of you set foot upon this island in search of something so holy? You do not deserve to even look upon the grail. Turn back now, you cowardly, ignorant, useless, self-seeking men. The four knights stood motionless. Her words had cut to each of their hearts. She knew each of their secret sources of shame and fear. In the silence, the belief that what she was saying was true grew in their minds. Until Galahad broke the silence. Some of what you say is true, Morgan. We have lived our lives imperfectly. Even in pursuit of good, we have fallen short. But what you say is not the end of our story, merely chapters in it. And without these chapters, we would not be the men who stand before you now, the men who have come this far in finding the Holy Grail, the men who are standing upon the mythic shores of Avalon, and the men who will now defeat you. With that, Morgan Le Fay let out an ear-piercing howl. Her form seemed to grow several feet in size, and she was surrounded by impish figures with sharp teeth, long noses and ears, gangly limbs ending in jagged claws, and a greenish-gray skin. The imps charged the knights. Lancelot smiled as he unsheathed his sword and threw himself headlong into the fray. Galahad, using the bloodied spear, lunged into several of the figures, who immediately burst into flame and dust. Boars and Percival stood back to back as brothers, fending off and destroying countless Hellions. Morgan Le Fay, now a towering, formidable presence, stood outside the battle, screaming hatred at the knights. The four courageous men fought as they never had before. It seemed that as they struck down each foe, there was another waiting to take its place, but the four knights began to overtake the horde. What few were left began scattering and fleeing, and as he plunged his sword into the last ones around him, Lancelot shouted, Galahad, my son! Quickly, take the spear and retreat deep into the woods. Bors, Percival, protect him. I will hold off this witch. But father, Galahad began. No time, my boy. Lancelot looked into his son's eyes. Galahad, I love you, and I am so very proud of you. Now quickly, while you have a chance, 
Lancelot turned towards Le Fay, her formidable presence towering over him. He smiled as he shouted at her. God helped me defeat the mighty dragon, and he will be with me as I defeat you, who spout nothing but hot air. Lancelot, with lightning speed, began to dash toward the towering Le Fay. Galahad, Bors, and Percival made it to the edge of the woods safely, just in time to look back for Galahad to see his father, the great Sir Lancelot, expertly roll underneath a swipe from Morgan Le Fay, turn and strike her from behind. She turned with a scream as their battle continued. Bors said, We must go, Galahad. Let Lancelot's efforts not be in vain. And with that, the three trekked deeper within the woods, spear in hand, in search of the castle of the maimed king. The three men hiked in silence, each of their thoughts with Lancelot. At a certain point, they had hiked so deep within the woods that the sound of combat from the beach could no longer be heard, not knowing exactly where to go, or even what the castle of the maimed king looked like, when they stumbled upon a simple stone hovel in the middle of the woods. Thinking they could inquire within for directions, Percival approached the door and knocked. When they opened the door, there stood a simple-looking man with olive-toned skin and dark black hair and beard. Welcome, he said with a warm and inviting smile. I see you brought this beer. Please, come in. Allow me to offer you a drink and some food. And the man turned to re-enter his small home. The knights, dehydrated from their battle and journey, welcomed this hospitable gesture and entered the home. Based on the home's facade, they expected a humble abode with simple furnishings befitting their host. However, upon stepping through the threshold, they encountered an expansive grand banquet hall, table overflowing with food and drink, stunning and ornate artistry carved in the stone and metalwork from floor to vaulted ceiling. The entire room was glowing a radiant and warm light, the source of the light being their host. Their radiant host, they now saw, had scarred hands and feet. They realized immediately they were in the castle of the maimed king, the throne room of Christ. They immediately kneeled before them. Allow me to take that burden from you, the king said, opening his scarred hands towards Galahad. Galahad, understanding, offered up the bloodied spear, which Christ took, and upon doing so, the spear vanished. You have been questing for the Holy Grail, Jesus gestured toward the banquet table, on which set a simple clay cup. Come, drink from it. The king poured some wine in the cup, and taking a drink, passed it to each of the knights. I know you have been shown that this cup will be part of ushering in a new era, but in actuality, it is much simpler than that. You see, this is truly nothing more than a cup. As with any tool, it has no use beyond that which is given to it by its maker, and the use I give to this is a symbol of something greater that will be what leads you in this new era. For this cup symbolizes my communion, my relationship with you, one shaped by my love for you as is shown in my sacrifice. It is the good news that will be for all people. The knights reflected upon the words they heard, realizing the precious gift that they had discovered, not some magic bejeweled chalice, but that their creator sought relationship with them in all their faults and victories. Equipped with this joyous knowledge and experience, they set out to share this good news that they believed would usher in a new and joyous era for all who heard it. Okay, well, we have come to the end of our quest for the Holy Grail with the Knights of the Round Table. And man, what a exciting story. I mean, this was so cool just to see all of these knights come together and to kind of watch how the story ended, I think, in some really like unexpected and surprising, surprising ways. But yeah, what did you guys think about this story? 
I really like the part with Lancelot where he fought Morgan Le Fay and kind of sacrificed himself so that the other guys could go on to find the Holy Grail. Yeah, I like that too. I mean, I thought, you know, the story just being about the Knights of the Round Table, like that was really a great example of what it looked like to be a knight and how to uh, serve each other. Colton, what about you? What did you My like in the story? My favorite part was probably when they saw Lord Jesus Christ and like actually found the actual cup and was like, we, after many, many years, we finally found the Holy Grail. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Did you see that coming? Like, did you have any idea that Jesus was going to be at the end of the story? No. Yeah, that was kind of neat. I mean, I had kind of guessed it from when, um, like, um, Percival went to the Fisher King and there were like all those items that were, um, kind of symbolizing the whole like story of Jesus. I yeah. Mean, yeah, that's good. Sense. We got some hints along the way. What was that called? Makes Colton? sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I think that's really good. Okay, well, when we talk about these Manly Tale stories on our podcast, we love to look at what we can learn about being a man from the men in the stories. And we do that by looking at our five marks of manhood, which are strength, courage, skill, honor, and allegiance. And what marks of manhood do you guys feel like you heard in the story today? Well, I definitely heard allegiance because all four of those knights were honoring their king's crest to basically go and find the Holy Grail, even when Arthur was dead. So I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, you know, even though Arthur wasn't part of the story, like we still hear their allegiance to their king in that way. And I think that's really cool. It shows, you know, even without him being there, how much they really were committed to following him. And I think that's awesome. So that's that's one example of allegiance, kind of like your immediate allegiance to your authority figure. But what else do we see in terms of allegiance in this story, Colton? Allegiance to Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. And like, what did that look like? How did we see that? Like they just like respected him and bowed down to him and like our king. Yeah, absolutely. And so we kind of, you know, we kind of find out that the Holy Grail, you know, the cup that Jesus drank out of, what what did what did Jesus have to say about that when they finally found the Holy Grail? It's not special. It's just like an item of just like it doesn't have any magical powers. It's just like a an artifact that's just like this means this like this is going to bring a new era of like communion and that stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I liked that. That you know, I think the knights were kind of thinking like the Holy Grail would be this like magical object that would usher in this new era for their kingdom. And what Jesus was really saying was like, it's not about the cup; it's about what it represents, and it represents that He wanted a relationship with them, and that through those relationships they would usher in a new era for the kingdom. I thought that was really cool. That was a great way of kind of seeing and understanding that. But okay, so what else? Like allegiance is kind of, I think, the great, you know, sort of obvious one that's a part of this story. But uh, what about like courage? How did we see courage in this story? Well, I definitely saw courage through just like the whole like fighting Morgan Le Fay. Like she was this big old witch with all these like giant monsters that were fighting with her. I just thought that was like insane and really scary. Yeah, yeah, same here. I was like, I wonder how many of those like little like dudes were there. Like there must have been hundreds. Yeah, all the little imp demons or things yeah. that they were fighting. Yeah, I thought so too. And I like I agree. I think there was some real imp- 
you know, importance to the fact that they were showing courage or Lancelot in particular was showing courage in fighting Morgan. But I thought one of the ways that we saw courage was not just in the fighting, but in the words that Galahad said when he spoke up, you know, initially Morgan was insulting them by throwing all these accusations at them and kind of revealing all their like deep, dark secrets and the things that they were ashamed of. But Galahad really had the wisdom and the courage to stand up and say, Hey, you know what? Those things might be true of us, but they're not the only things that are true of us. There's a lot more to us than that. And sometimes I think in our life, uh, it can be easy to see our faults and our failures and believe that those are the only things that are true of us and that we have to be defined by those things. But the truth of the matter is really kind of what Galahad said, like they're what has helped shape us to be the men that we are today, but they don't have to define us in everything that we do moving forward. And that takes a lot of courage to be able to look at that kind of thing and say, this isn't the only thing that's true of me and it doesn't have to continue to define me. So I really liked that kind of example of courage on Galahad's part. So, okay. All right, let's keep moving. Let's talk about like, what can we learn about being a man from the knights that we saw in this story? What do you guys think? Well, I definitely think um, just all of them like sticking together and um, showing honor to each other is definitely a way that we could be like them. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I, I love that the story ends with the knights together, that it's not just about one knight's quest, but it really is like something that they share in. And I think there's something really epic and manly about that kind of camaraderie that they have built together and that they are together at the end of this quest as a group of knights. And that's something that I think is really awesome and something that I want in my life as well. So that's cool. Colton, what about you? What do you think you can learn about being a man from watching the knights in these stories? It's like... Yes, like, you do wrong things, just, like, don't let them define you, just, like, help them shape you into a better person, not shape them into, not make them shape you into a worse person. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome. And I think that's what the offer that Jesus was making at the end of the story was to be able to say, hey, through my relationship with you, you can be transformed into a man who can make a new era for the people around you. And I think that's what we all want is to make a difference on the world around us. But to do that, we have to become new men and be shaped by a communion with a relationship with Jesus. So that actually kind of leads us into our closing question for today and really for this series. So we end every series by giving dads and sons a question to continue to discuss with each other so that you guys can keep talking about what we've learned in the story. And so as we wrap up this last episode of the Knights of the Round Table, we just have one question that we want both the dads and the sons to answer as you talk with each other. And that question is, what do you think of Jesus? And is he worthy of your ultimate allegiance? Why or why not? Okay, so that's our closing question. As we close as well, we want to give a big shout out to our friend Josh Burns, who has written all of these yeah. stories and narrated them and done a fantastic job doing it. We have loved yes. listening to and getting to talk about these stories with each other. So thank you, Josh, for all that you do to make Manly Tales a great success and to serve dads and sons. Yes, such great voices. Yes, he does. All right. We love you guys, dads and sons. Y'all keep talking, and we will look forward to talking to you again in season three. We'll see you soon. Woohoo! See you guys next season. Manly Tales stories are adapted and performed by Josh Burns. For more information about the show, visit manlytales.com. 
Hey dads, don't forget to download your Dad Son Challenge, 10 manly activities that dads and sons can do together. Just go to manhoodtribes.com slash challenge.